All right, here we go. Black and Blonde. Listener questions, non-expert answers, part deuces. Deuces. We love the deuces on the pod. We do. I'm black. And I'm blonde. And we're the pod. We we are the pod. <laughs> we are the black and blonde pod. We are human beings before the pod. I mean, I don't know. It just sounds very dehumanizing to say we are the pod. Oh, I like see we're what you're people, saying. Natasha. Yeah. Shining happy people holding. Yeah. Yeah. Did we, you feel that in your bones? We're back and we did an Instagram live in the middle of the week, Natasha. We sure did because we love an Insta. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of the Insta, well, was one, to introduce listeners again, maybe, to some shit jabbering. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't listen to the Instagram live, Molly and I have a term mm-hmm. called shit jabbering. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it on the pod before. Have we? I okay, think good. So. Well, people should use that term. I think they should coin it and like it should just become a thing. I'd like to see it, pod listeners, in the in one of the editions of the dictionary, the Webster's Dictionary. Do you think so? Mm-hmm. When, you know when they add new words every year? You think it should be shit jabber? Basically. Well, I received a couple uh, messages after we did that. One, uh, affirming the... Why wouldn't you affirm shit jabbering? Right. Just how much um, somebody appreciated that and could connect it to what um, it was something that they do, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody else said they have a new phrase in the car hmm. when they are frustrated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm listening. They may say... Move, bitch. Get out the way. Get out the way. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean. That's just what I, I think goes in my head anytime I need someone to just like. Really? Back up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, yeah. I think that now is in the heads of many of our listeners. Yeah, so as it should be. You're if, welcome. Is that from Ludicrous Southern Hospitality? I believe so. I mean, if not, you should go just go listen to that album. It's so good. Because I think that's really that's, the, that's kind of the is one. Is that the only one you know? Maybe. Mm. What about, isn't it back for the first time, one of his albums? I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm not that good. Oh, well, you should be. I know, I should. Everybody should know Luda. Luda. Uh, so t-shirt giveaway, we will announce listeners. Winners? Or Yeah, we will announce winners. Can we just announce, like, anybody who commented won? I mean, we. <laughs> I think we just did. Anybody who commented, consider yourselves a winner. Who, anyone who commented about where they listen to the pod. Oh, correct, correct. And there is someone who is getting something special. Oh, yeah. But um, that's still in the works. So Yeah, because somebody tagged somebody. So mm-hmm. good on ya. And yeah. t-shirt plus, plus more. Plus one. Yeah, coming coming your way soon. So thank you, listeners, for participating in that. Fun to, fun to see where you're listening. I love when people participate. Like, I just, like, when we put something out there and people just, you know, throw some stuff at us. I just think it's fun to see. I love so, it too. Yeah. Thanks for that. What else is going on? Um, It's August. And don't you just think August in education, there's that saying like August in education is like one long Sunday night. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting ready for that school year. And man, I am feeling it this week. I am so tired. I don't even know what barely happened this entire week. It has been rough in these streets in a, in a good rough. Like it's just been so busy. And, and I will say in technology, it's like crisis mode time. But anyway, so I just wanted to tell any educators out there listening, we feel you. We get it. It's a tough time of the year. 
it's an exciting time of the year, right? Because you get to we're about to start a new school year, hopefully one that goes well, given a global pandemic that still seems to be everywhere, shall I say? Um, but anyway, yeah, I just I just want to put that out there, put that out in the, the streets that I'm feeling I'm feeling August in education today. I hear you and I think I I get that kind of I I don't totally connect to that because I think you know I think so much of summer for me is spent kind of in a, it's a lonely time to work in education in summer sure. in a building uh and then it's a lot of time with adults and yeah. you know this coming week is captain's practice for fall sports kids will be all over the place and I don't know, like my excitement about just the kids being around can supersede. Well, um, there's definitely that excitement. I, I know, hear that. And I, I know you weren't saying that, but I, I just think like as a person that works in a building, like all I can barely wait for is those kids to get back. I will also say, uh, yes, I totally hear you. I'm with you on that. And I'm just, well, since we're talking about work, cause why wouldn't we? Um, I, Monday is new staff, new teacher day. And it is like literally one of my favorite, like new teachers and new staff. Like that's my favorite thing in education outside of kids. So I'm super excited for that. So I suppose despite this feeling of exhaustion and everything that is in front of me, I'm excited. Yeah. So we'll hold on to that excitement. We'll we'll see you on Monday. New staffies. Yeah, right. I'm sure they're listening. I'm I'm sure they know who I am. I'm sure they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then before we transition into reflection, just finished a book uh, called Minor Feelings, an Asian American experience, just broadening my um, genre of reading. I like that because we're always talking about black white. Mm -hmm. So I I like to hear that. Yeah, I think it's actually, uh, after I had started it, I I think it's actually, uh, there's a book club that is it who's the guy in the star Tribune? huh no <laughs> the guy there's a guy in the star tribune who does like a hennep i think it might be hennepin county library or something does a book club anyways okay. this was this was the selection um interestingly enough after i had already started reading it it's a very good uh short quick read if anybody's looking to just read about uh, a different experience um, sure. of people in this country and you know i won't I'm not going to read a okay. lot, Natasha. Because mm-hmm. I see a book in front of you. Mm-hmm. I see some dog-eared pages. I see you clean your throat. You're like... <coughs> Asian Americans inhabit a vague purgatorial status, not white enough nor black enough. Distrusted by African Americans, ignored by whites, unless we're being used by whites to keep the black man down. I mean, that's a statement. That's a pod episode probably or something. I don't know. I mean, that's bigger than mm-hmm. I'm ready to tackle yeah. in this introduction. No, but, but just I'm just laying it there. And then yeah, I just close gonna, the book. just going to set then, it there, put yep. the book down, and mm-hmm. we should move on. And before we move to reflection, the last thing I'll say is um, this week I have had a lot of reflections around the word culture. Mm. And I think there might be an episode coming up on the pod maybe around that word, but I would... Ask our listeners right now to right now, right this now, minute, this, this minute to happening. think about the images that come to mind when you hear the word culture. If you had to describe them to somebody, the pictures in your mind, how would you describe them? What would you see? Um, I think that would just be a really let's, good reflective activity. Let's hold that, even though we've asked people mm-hmm. to do it. That's fine, but let's hold that because when we bring do. 
do with this culture episode, I want to bring that in. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like where you're going with that. I like All what right. you're putting down. All right. So last week we did listener questions, non-expert answers, part one. Oh, that's usually how it goes. Part mm-hmm. one before part two. I yeah. get it now. I'm falling. So? So we're in the pond of reflection. We are. What you've been thinking about? Um. So I have been thinking about just how, hmm, how nice it was to get questions from other people, because I think, again, it goes to like your sphere of influence. So we, you and I talk a lot about race on just a regular basis all the time. And, you know, obviously I'll talk about it with other people in my sphere, but but some of these questions are not maybe regular questions I would get or don't come up in topics. So I just, again, I go back to probably what I said in the introduction, like I just like hearing from people giving me something to think about so with each one of these questions we received, I just sat there and I was like, oh, what what do I think about that? So it was it was nice. I guess that's what I'm thinking. Right, wasn't it? I mean, it almost was a lens into the lived experience of some of our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I appreciated that as well. And I think as I went through the week, even after we were done recording it, and I think going to Sunday Takeout, we always listen to the most recent episode in the car. And We sure do. You know, I... I wondered, well, I don't know. I mean, I think they're just our answers, right? And mm-hmm. I would hope our listeners, upon hearing the question, again, maybe hit pause if you're listening with somebody or jot it down and have a conversation around how would you answer the question? Because we certainly are not, there's no right. Non-experts, in, right? No, we are not experts and there really isn't any right. And I, even if we answer a question and the person who asked it was like, well, that was that didn't hit the mark. I mean, I think that's okay. You know, I mean, I think that maybe any answer will give you something to think about and it might actually get you to a better answer that maybe makes sense for you. Yeah, I I appreciate that because I don't think our goal in answering these questions is to answer them, right? Like to give a definitive answer. We're totally just giving, here's our perspective, here's what we think of it. Um, and hoping that on the other side of that, people are thinking about what their answers might be. And that's like, that's it. It's all we can do. It's all we can do. You ready to do it again? I think we may. You ready for question one? I mean, really, it's question four. I mean, okay. Okay, we're not getting technical. All right. <laughs> no, we're not getting, no, we're never technical. No, no we're not. All right, throw it all at right, me. All right, Natasha. I don't How really do you, me. You ready? Yep. How do you balance both loving your black friends and loving your immediate family members who exhibit racist tendencies, words, actions? Oh, child. I mean, that's a question. But for me, and I'm going to say this in a way that's not hopefully dismissive, like there is no, there's no balance to me. So family's family. And I understand we talked about this in the last episode. That is a hard thing. It is a hard thing to separate, but you have to, and by you, I just mean people in general, um, there has to be, you got to establish your own boundaries. So what are those going to be? And I am going to say there is no balance to me if you are silently or passively accepting the the exhibit racist tendencies, words, actions, whatever those might be of your white family members. And then you're turning around and saying, oh, like I, I see your blackness and I appreciate it. And I, you know, you're, I love you as a friend. I don't, that's not a balance that I feel. Um, I actually would just rather that didn't happen. So I would say 
again, it's, you know, figuring what your boundaries are. What does that mean to you? That, that whole word balance. Um, I don't think there's a balance to be real honest with you. I think what we have to do is continue to obviously, um, support and uplift black people. And on the flip side, um, continue to push white people. Cause that's what I'm assuming we're talking about here. Um, in their thinking and setting some, you know, like, I don't want to hear that. That's not a conversation, you know, like that's not language I want to hear when I'm around you or, you know, whatever it might be to kind of, you know, cut that off and set that boundary. And in some cases you may have to take drastic actions. I don't think with every family member, you're going to get that. And does that mean you don't see that family member or you're not at that event or, or whatever it might be. So I remember, can I keep talking? Mm-hmm, I remember um, when I was teaching, I had a coworker who was going to the wedding of a family member. And someone, the bride, didn't want the other, another, a different family member to be there because that person was part of the LGBTQ community. They're just like, we, that's not what we agree with. We don't want that. So we're going to ask you not to come. And it was a family member. It was a sibling. Um, and so this coworker was really wrestling like, what do I do as like an ally, as a support, but also going to this family member's wedding? Um, again, I don't totally remember the resolution, but I think the ultimate thing was like, what is your value? What is the thing that, that you believe and, and, um, you're willing to stand up for? And then you've got to do that, um, with conviction. So that's a lot of, a lot of answer out of me, but what's your thought? I appreciate that. And, well, the, I swear you and I, it's a crazy connection because when I saw the question, the word I came up that came to my mind immediately too was boundary. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, the older I get and the more that life I think brings at you, um, just really understanding just because someone is family. So I hear you say family is family, but there's no written scripture and rules around because somebody Thank is blood you. related, I must continue to put myself in a space that drains all my energy, does harm. It's toxic. It's toxic. It's racist. Uh, you know, I mean, I think you get to make decisions. And I under, I don't say that naively and like it doesn't have implications. I understand that it potentially can have, imp- and it would, I would imagine, have implications. But I also think that I'm somebody that holds a belief, and this is because of the way my family is structured, um, that so many people that I would call family are not blood-related. And Mm -hmm. the love I have of different people outside of my blood family, I don't, there's no comparison. I mean, like, somebody's my brother and somebody's my sister, and that we don't share the same blood. And so I think... um, I think sometimes it's the binary definitions of like a family member must mean this thing. And um, so sometimes I think just letting yourself let go of some of the rigidity of how... Like freeing yourself from that label yeah. of family. Because I think you're right. Like it's a, as a society, we've decided this is what family must mean and this is what how we must define it and what we must do, you know, mm-hmm. as a result of. So, yeah. And I'm certainly not saying like, you know, get rid of your family, but I, I don't know. I Bye, mean, Felicia. But I, I do really believe, um, you know, where, where you get, 
where you, where you get energy and where your energy is drained. And I also think those are choices mm. you get to make. So if you just, again, an activity of who are all the people that drain my energy, write those down. Who are all the people that give me energy? And then as an adult, you get to make decisions how frequently you put yourself in the spaces with people who are going to drain your energy. And if you're going to go into those spaces, again, you probably by now know some of the things that you might hear, um, especially if they're people in your immediate family. So then I think you have to go into that without expectations and knowing what you're going to say. And, um, and then, and a hundred percent love up on your, your black friends. I mean, it's like uplift and, um, celebrate and see them and see their humanity. Um, and I don't, you know, to me, it's not a binary of loving this group and loving that group. Right. It's not, it's almost not an either or. I think it's like you said, really, it's like making some choices. Um, you know, for our listeners who don't know, um, I do have a tattoo that says we are the choices we make. And I think that's a little bit of it. It's like we get to decide in this life what those choices are going to be and why and what, you know, what values help guide those choices for us. And this is, to me, is the very same question. If that's what you're feeling um, about, you know, balancing that relationship between your black friends and your immediate family members, it's you really got to probably spend a lot of time reflecting on, as you said, um, what lifts you up and what is, is bringing you down and then make some decisions as a result of. Yeah, there was a really wise person in my life who said um, that some of the energy energy draining people were were blood-related family members, and mm. that person was really struggling with how to uh, make sense of that and um, actually got some support from somebody who was like, you know, so you don't have to do an eight-hour day. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, it doesn't have to go from all to nothing, but it's, you know, again, you get to, you get to choose, you get to decide when to show up and when to leave spaces. Like you're, you're your own adult who can make those decisions um, and, and feel okay. If it's because it sits with you and it aligns with who you are and what you value, then, you know, again, you got to be okay with that. Yeah, and I don't think either one of us is saying that's an easy task, but mm-hmm. um, certainly an important one to to think about and mm-hmm. figure out what you need to do with it. Yeah, whoever wrote that question, I Ooh. mean, it's a great question, and I would love to just, I mean, I don't know that, you know, I wonder how what we answered will resonate with that person. Right. Like what they're thinking, they're like, well, that's stupid. Right. Forget that. So whoever wrote that, I mean, you are more than welcome to give us feedback um, right. You, know, you could go on the form and just in the question section, just say like, hey, I was the one that wrote the, yeah, you know. And it was dumb. Your answer was dumb, dumb. Yeah. Or just tell us more about whatever, because I that's just really an interesting question. And um, we are thinking about this, how challenging that would be. I would also like to just validate, like when I see that question in racist tendencies, who doesn't? I mean, and which white person in America doesn't have racist tendencies in some way, shape, or form? So, um, you know, True. words and actions are, I don't know how that this person defines that, but tendencies is, you know. Yeah, I hear you. We all got some tendons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. Um, question numero aduso. Are you ready? All right. What would you say to a school leader who says, quote, when it comes to moving anti-racist teaching and social justice education forward in our schools, 
We have to remember that we serve a lot of people with a wide variety or points of view, so our job is to find the middle and live there rather than push too far in one direction, even if that matches our personal beliefs. You know what I would say? Bye, Felicia. (laughs) That's my word for today. Okay, I really wouldn't say that. But again, like I... I think fundamental to like this work that we're talking about is knowing your values and where you're willing to compromise on them. So I am not willing to compromise on someone that says, let's live in the middle. Baby, why don't you just meet me in the middle? I got like a something in my throat. <laughs> that, that okay. Was, no, I really did. Damn. That was not a good okay. song. Anyway. Um, it's called an off key note. Okay. That's hurtful. Um, yeah, I'm not willing to sit in the middle um, because as the saying goes, like, you know, if there is a house on fire, we're concentrate, you know, and that we're not worried about the neighbor's houses around it and putting out the fire. We're trying to, we're putting out the one in front of us. So I don't believe that whole middle value thing makes any is sense. Is that what you would say? I won't, I don't want to sit. I mean, what would you say to that school leader? Oh, is that what I'm saying? Like, I'm supposed to yeah, say like, something what specific? what would actually, that, that what school say? leader says that to you. So our job is to find the middle and live there rather than push too far in one direction, even if that matches our personal beliefs. So I would ask, what are the beliefs and the values of the school system? And if it says in the school system's belief and values, we live in the middle, then I guess that's, I would wonder why I'm in that space. But I would imagine as most school systems do, they have an equity statement or they have a statement about um, removing barriers or equitable access, whatever those, you know what I mean, those mm-hmm. statements are. And I would ask that person if if by doing that, if we're living in the middle, are we upholding those values? Mm-hmm. I would also ask that person to um, to show me the data that, that, that tells us that the work isn't necessary or that living in the middle is okay. So um, historically in education, we know that our black and brown students, we are failing them. So I would ask them what data tells us that we're we're okay just sitting in the middle and failing a, a group of students. And and yeah, I would that would be a conversation I would have. Yeah, I would have a lot of questions, I think, in response to that. You know, one being what's your definition of anti-racist teaching and social oh. justice education? Also, first good of all, questions. because I just would want to hear what that person is saying those things are. Well, because I think we've convoluted those terms so much now. Totally. So like that would be one of the first things I might say. Excellent. You just tell me your definition of, or what do you mean when you say anti-racist teaching and social justice education? And what does it look like when it's moving forward in our schools? Like I would want that person to say more before I Mm. I answered. I Um, I would also then upon hearing their answer to that, Ask them what the middle means. Yeah. So your definition and then what's the middle. And then I would go, then then I'd take that from wherever. I think I really like your point of I might prepare myself for that by knowing what our district mission, what our, mm-hmm. you know, what our strategic plan says around equity, you know, what language already lives within the system. I might be prepared um, going into the conversation, which again, listeners, I think one of the, you hear us talk about this a lot, but, and I do this as a white person a lot. I, I do prepare for what I'm about to hear the spaces I'm going to mm-hmm. go into. Um, you know, I listen for a while. I have some, some thoughts coming in, but I think there is a level of preparation, um, going in and this would be, um, 
you know, I think, I think having those statements that guide your organization, no matter what organization you're in, whatever business company organization you're in. Yeah, it doesn't just have to be a school. Absolutely. Um, So I think, um, I think there's just a lot of questions back to the person who said that. And I think we can own, excuse me. There was that thing. There was that thing where I couldn't sing before. Um, I think we can own the fact or recognize the fact that that is a challenging position to be in, to listen to a leader of anything. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a school leader. It could be a boss. It could be, you know, some someone up the hierarchy um, from you. When you hear that, what you do next is a very challenging situation. And I think I like what you said about, you know, thinking about it and being prepared with an answer. Because for me, that statement would be super emotionally triggering. And so I know... I'd want to lead with bye, Felicia. And is that, mm-hmm. then they might be saying bye, Felicia, to me. So, you know, you do have to be thoughtful and mindful and, as you like to say, strategic in how you'd answer that. But I think, again, you do really have to reflect on what are your boundaries in that. And if your values tell you, like, I can't live with the middle, then you've got to figure out your next, next steps as a result of that. Mm-hmm. It's a toughie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think... There's no statue of limitations on conversations. Thank so you. Say it again. There's no statue of limitations on conversations. So you can say it wa- again. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it again. But you can walk away from that and not have said anything. I mean, you can walk away and you know, mm-hmm. been okay, and then go back, think about that, and you can. I mean, that's a that's a courageous conversation to circle back to. There's For the sure. brave leadership, the you know, the courage in your leadership, dare to lead, right? Like you can come back around and say, hey, I was really thinking about what you said the other day. And you know what I didn't know? Like what is what is anti-racist teaching mean to you? You know, or you know, Tell me about just what I don't. I guess I don't have context for the middle. I'd really like to right. hear you say more about what live in the middle means, um, so that you can, I think, one get your get your get your uh, mind right. Well, yeah, get out of your brainstem, get out of your emotion, mm-hmm. get up to your get get to your cortex where you have some um, ability to probably be rational and um, because that's hard sometimes in the moment where you know your brain is full of like okay what <laughs> yeah what what the fuck just happened right um because I think that happens often not maybe not often but a lot to people in meetings right you're in a meeting space and you hear maybe a comment like this and you're like what the fuck did I just hear and like is this is that the moment you're gonna like come full blast it might be that you have to return to to really that person like mm-hmm. you said to address that and it reminds me I and mean, I've talked about this on the pod before but the the situation I had when I was in a meeting after the murder of George Floyd and no one bothered to say anything and how just difficult that was for me. And I knew I had to come back to it because I couldn't let it go because Mm -hmm. I kept thinking about it. So a barometer might kind of be like, is it something that continues to nag you and something you continue to question that might tell you like, I do need to return to this conversation and get some clarification. So I'm ready to move on or to make a different decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. Toughy again. Toughy again. Okay. You ready? I am so ready. Probably too long for a single question. So this is question three. Yeah. Okay. Probably too long for a single question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on cultural appropriation, especially around AAVE, African-American vernacular English, and black ballroom culture. So thoughts on cultural appropriation around 
African-American vernacular English and black ballroom culture. Shall we break it down and do, um, I mean, however you want well, my, to. My answer is going to be a holistic. Go, so I'll, go. I'll do whatever you want. No, you go. So I don't have a lot to say about black ballroom culture, but, but what I do, I guess my perspective on cultural appropriation is I think, um, as a person of color, I don't have the same feelings about it as everyone else does. Right. Um, so, and I think we need to be careful of what we, what we mean is cultural appropriation. There are things that as members of society, as we start to listen to music, as we start to watch movies, read books, do whatever that are just going to become more mainstream or more norms in our, in our culture. And I'm okay with that. Like I would want that to happen. I would want things that are considered black or historically black to move into like our mainstream everyday culture. So I don't consider that cultural appropriation. Now, where I start to have a trouble is if you are, you know, wearing like African garb and you're a white person, I would wonder why, like if you're wearing it just because like, oh, it's a, this is a nice outfit and I'm going to wear it. Like that to me is problematic. But if you're listening to rap music, I'm not like, and you're, you know, you're, you're rapping. I don't have a problem with that. So I think it, there's a probably, a, I don't know if it's a gray area. I just think we maybe don't need to get so caught up in it, but we also need to have a better awareness of where, where our history comes from and where things that we like and that we appreciate where those things come from and in giving credit where credit is due. So for instance, I'm a big Eminem fan and people, people love to say like he appropriated black culture and made a lot of money off of it. I don't really know why he did. Like he literally lived in Detroit with just a gang of black people. I mean, he was around a lot of black people. He was around rap music. Why wouldn't that become part of his lifestyle? And why shouldn't he be a rapper. Like I don't, so I guess I don't know if I'm making any sense. I just don't, I don't have the same feeling. Now we did see that teacher TikTok video. Dear Lord, maybe we should find that thing. I don't know if people have seen it, but there is a teacher out there who put out a TikTok video where she is pretending to be students, right? Is that what she's doing or pretending to respond to students, but she's using a lot of AAVE. So African-American vernacular English, um, She's using kind of some like Gen X or Gen Z, I don't know what Gen we're on, terms too. But there's definitely, um, there's a hint of blackness in it. That is problematic. Like that's that to me is cultural appropriation. Um, that is not part of that woman's everyday lived experience. You can tell by the way she's saying that on TikTok. Um, so, so again, that would be problematic. And those are some of my thoughts or a lot of my thoughts. Yeah, I think I I. I knew I mean, a lot of my shit your, jabbering. I know your love of Eminem. So I think, do you think your love of Eminem uh, shapes your answer to this question? No, because I don't think so. I guess I shouldn't say no, because I, it's never been something that I've been like, well, why are they doing that? Or why? Um, but again, I think there was one day um, in a, in a district um, where I used to work, where some students came wearing, um, what are those shirts called? Kinte. Oh, yes. Um, they they were white students, and they came wearing those. One doesn't know why. So, like to me, there's like this deliberate, like you know, I'm going to do this because it's going to be whatever. It's going to be racy, or people are going to talk, or people, are, or I'm just an asshole, and so I'm going to wear this. So then, yeah, then I have a problem with it. But I don't, I don't think 
that I, I don't think that I've ever sat and been like, well, why would you do that? Now, maybe that is because I grew up in a white culture. So for me, what I've always known is white culture, because I adapt to white culture, because I live in white culture, am I appropriating white culture? I don't know the, I don't know. Yeah. That, I mean, so maybe that's why. I don't know. That's very interesting. The word that comes to mind as I'm listening to you talk is, especially about those, the white students coming, um, is, is exploitation. Like, yes, I think thank that, you. That's, that's the word. That's where cultural appropriation to me, I think, becomes you know, I think when, when it's exploited, Mm -hmm, right. When mm -hmm. you're doing it in a way that is so, I feel like out of bounds. I mean, when I think if, you know, there's a white student at school who is deeply connected and has really like a really true deep friendship with many students of color, I think the language and the way in which this individual speaks Mm -hmm. is not exploit he's not exploiting it i mean i think it's becoming part of the way in which he it's speaks who he, to it's his a friends. part of his identity right and i know a specific soul i can think of a specific soul who i love <laughs> that probably is doing that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so i think but where it gets when you do see the videos or you see um or you hear people that probably don't spend a lot of their lived experience um, and it almost feels like it's it's being mocked, right? Or they're yes, thank you. They're they're throwing in these words, and it's almost like you can see it being, I think, a butt of a joke, or they're trying to to be something that they are in no way um, that. Well, I think if you're putting it out on TikTok and Snapchat, mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess that it's or you're probably- using it black back to black people. You know, you're right. You, you're using that language, and it's like you don't have any ability. Please don't. Right. You know, and I think about myself in that. Well, I mean, one, I'm a, like an old white woman, right? Okay. Which would be ridiculous. But I mean, it's not my language. It's not my language. It's not the language I I use. I mean, and I hear it. Mm-hmm. In, I hear you. I just heard it this morning. I just heard it this morning. Um, and I was like, I would never say that. You know what I mean? It's like a person who's really close to me in my life. I see a lot. And the thing I, the word I heard was just like, I, oh, I would never say that word. And I can't even really picture myself saying it. And I've got a really good relationship with this person. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think as a white person, I think the question is like, what's the need? I mean, did, I just, I feel like it's a, I feel like people, white people use it to feel cool or to be, you know, I don't know, to be accepted, to feel like they know more. Just stop. Yeah. Like, just stop. You don't need to. You're white. Just own it. Well, right. And I, and be okay with it. Right. And I think for years, like black culture has been, you know, I don't I don't know if I'd say appropriated but maybe appropriated brought into the mainstream um you know taken for for gain in different ways um but there also is ways in which like like I mean, I'm just going to go back to rap music cuz that's <clears throat> the easiest one for me but like I don't know that has that been appropriated or if that's is that just now a part of like society to part of all of our cultures is just this type of music um so right. it's not in the 1950s when it was like you know, no. the Beach Boys or Ooh, the Beach Boys. Um, and I also think, 
you know, it's the exploitation without the acknowledgement, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like sometimes, sometimes, I mean, often when I'm with the kids, right? No. But I mean, and like, but it's this, it's the thing they say about me, about how you just own one, that you're white, Mm -hmm. two, that you know what you're doing. And it like creates this space where it's not contrived. It doesn't feel like anybody's trying. It's like this legitimate thing where like, I'm trying to understand what that word means. Is this how I say it? The kids were laughing last year because they were making... What were you trying to say? Well, finna. Oh, geez. And just the way... I mean, it's so ingrained in them, right? I mean, they will just... Finna gonna do everything, right? And I don't know. It it was just a great conversation. And I mean, they were they were like, you gotta keep practicing. <laughs> they like, want you to continue yeah, they're your like, use you of it? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. It was it was time to stop. But um but I think there's just the vulnerability and like when you have those authentic relationships where you're acknowledging what you're doing, then that's different as well. Um, well, for sure. I think, yeah, there's a little bit of what comes back down to like, what are your relationships with the people around you? Um, when you're engaging in those actions, those conversations, those words, that's, that is definitely different than, you know, you're just going on TikTok and throwing around language and terms and phrases that you never use because you want, I don't know, people to like your TikTok videos. I mean, I think if you think, if you're thinking about how embarrassing it is or, you know what I mean? Like it, it is. I mean, it's embarrassing. Yes. Like that video, I mean, was the most cringeworthy thing I've seen in quite some time. Right. And I would think, you know, just the specific part of that question around black ballroom culture, which I mean, neither of us are experts in that in any way, but I do, I mean, just... There is a whole, um, that black ballroom culture, and I, I really think in the 60s, 70s, where queer youth, trans youth found in, like in Harlem, and they found safety in those ballrooms, now it's become like drag shows and like RuPaul, and I think there's a big show on Netflix or something like Pose or something, but I mean, in, you're, in my I, mind, yeah, in my mind, I think like just understand why that and like voguing, right? That was the big one. Like when Madonna oh, was voguing. Vogue. I thought you said voting. No, voguing when Madonna, mm-hmm. like how she got so famous around that. And that was a part of that black ballroom culture. I think it's, I think it's having some understanding of why that culture started and what created the need for black uh, queer youth trans to have those spaces where they really could be free in their identity. And it was kind of an underground culture that they weren't able to be free anywhere in society. And I think it was following the Stonewall riots. And so I think, again, I, I think around when you see, or you hear that dance move comes from someplace, I think honoring the history and the humanity of where some of that originated. And just, again, you don't have to go deep into it unless you're, you're really interested in that. But I think understanding how deeply marginalized and discriminated and really the, the, the lack of safety that people had, black, queer, youth, trans youth had um, and still have, but for sure in the 50s, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. Um, and had to go underground for that culture. And now to see Madonna, you know, and make it a music video and, you know, then everybody around the world is voguing and you don't have any connection of where that ever came from. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think that's, 
That's a lack of acknowledgement. And is it exploitation? I don't know, but there's a lack of acknowledgement. Definitely a lack of acknowledgement. And I think a lot of that's still happening today. And I'm going to go back to TikTok for whatever reason, but there a lot of black dancers are on TikTok. A lot of young black kids that are that are creating their own dance moves. Um, and I'm real mad I can't remember the girl's name um, that created this dance move. But then this white girl um, came and did the same thing. And she's on like Jimmy Fallon or whatever. And it is the inability for us as a society to go back and think about where these things came from or originated from, yet they just get kind of taken over by white people and put in spaces. Um, and and that's the thing. It's, I mean, it's Madonna. Like, that's the thing. Um, so I think it goes back to something we probably always say in the pod. It's, it's awareness, um, understanding mm-hmm. where things came from, um, building your own racial consciousness, be, building your own understanding of history um, as you see whether it's dance moves, language, et cetera. I mean, because do you remember the year uh, Vogue? Well, you I don't know, what? but I think I hate I, Madonna do, so much. I mean, like her music, not her. I don't really know her, but her music so much that I actually want to stop talking about Vogue. Really? I think it was like the late 80s <laughs> or the 90s. Vogue. Yeah, where, I mean, but do you remember? I have this visual, Oof. I have this memory of all like white people. Voguing. Voguing. And it's, yeah. yeah, who had probably absolutely zero idea of what they were doing, except emulating Madonna, who, like, well, became who is that incumbent them. upon? Is that incumbent upon the white people that are dancing to Vogue, or was that incumbent upon Madonna to, to acknowledge and recognize that as she went? And I would say Madonna was the one who appropriated it. I would Agreed. say the rest of society is kind of what I was saying. Like, they just... They followed along with what they learned. I don't know. Maybe that's a sticky point, but yeah. I would just say, yeah, I don't know. But and here's our non-expert. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have recollection of what the conversation was in the, if it was, you know, the late 80s or the ni- early 90s or whatever, whenever that came out. I don't have any recollection of the conversation that was happening around that, that there was acknowledgement. I'm I can sure have a pretty good, pretty, uh, yeah. pretty good shot in the dark that it wasn't And happening. said white person voguing, you know, on the street probably was not. Yeah. Like, do you know where this came from? Yes. Black ballroom culture? Yes. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, all right, Natasha, part two, complete. Complete. We did it. We did it. Thank you very much to our listeners again for supplying us with these questions. For any of you who submitted, if those were your questions, again, we love would love feedback. So you were brave enough and vulnerable enough to submit. Use that form. I think there's actually, was there something on the form? It was about music. Oh, it was about music. Mm-hmm. But just use that form and give us some feedback even on the, um, you know, anything that you heard or you um, maybe disagree with or you want to further clarify. We would love that feedback. And again, the form remains open. We don't have to do listener questions as a whole uh, episode, but there's no reason that we can't inter- intersperse a listener question into any future episode. Um, and it might just point. prompt a topic. So mm-hmm. give us your questions. Absolutely. So on that note, have a great week, listeners. Deuces. Yeah, I've got questions. Thank you.